It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Trey, and thank you for joining us for another Tuesdays with Trey. We appreciate very much you giving us part of your week. On September the 11th of this year, uh, we reminded ourselves of how we felt 20 years earlier, what we thought and experienced as we watched our country under attack. And 20 years ago, we promised uh, we would never forget that we would always remember what happened and how we felt and who was responsible and maybe even most importantly, what we lost. Uh, Frank Siller doesn't need uh, September the 11th to reflect on what he lost. He is keenly aware of it every day, and he decided to do something about it to try to turn tragedy into something good. And he joins us now. Mr. Siller, how are you? Thank you. I'm very good. Thank you for having me on uh, today. And thank you for giving me an opportunity to talk about the work that the Tunnel to Towers Foundation is doing, and to talk about my brother, a hero who gave his life up on September 11th. And you know what? I do want to talk about Tunnel to Towers, but I want to start with someone by the name of Stephen Siller. Tell us about Stephen. Well, Stephen was a New York City firefighter. Um, he uh, was an outrageous human being, but he, he became a firefighter and was 27 years old. And uh, he was the youngest of seven uh, kids. My, my parents had uh, Stephen. Actually, he was our little miracle. Uh, they had him. My father was 49. My mother was 44. And uh, he was much younger than all of us. I was closest in age. I was 14 years older than him. And my brother, Russ, was 25 years older than him. So he was our little uh, he was our little miracle. And he grew up to be this unbelievable uh, human being. I, my, uh, also, my parents died when he was a little boy. So he, by the time he was 10 years old, he was orphaned and we raised him as older siblings raised him primarily by my oldest brother, Russ, uh, out in Rockville Center in Long Island. He grew, uh, Stephen grew up the first 10 years on, on Staten Island here in New York, uh, one of the few conservative boroughs. And, um, he, uh, he just was, uh, he realized the importance of every day, Trey, he, you know, he knew life could change at, at any moment and he grew up and he became a firefighter. And he just died the way he lived. He, he just cared about other people. Uh, he always served. He wanted to help other people. He was married. He had five beautiful kids. He was on top of the world. He had everything he ever wanted, everything he ever wanted, a beautiful house. He was a, a brotherhood in the fire department. Uh, it's another family for him. He was married, he had five kids. He had the love of his brothers and sisters and, and his nephews and nieces. And he's on top of the world. And there was a call to duty on September 11th. He was off duty. He was on his way home to play golf with myself, my brother, George, my brother, Russ. And he heard in the radio scandal that towers were hit. He turned his truck around, got his gear, drove to the mouth of the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. It was closed for security reasons. And he strapped 60 pounds of fire gear on his back, ran through that tunnel, which is almost two miles long, up West Street into the South Tower, up those stairs, and uh, while saving people, he gave up his life. And we were just so proud of him as a family that we started 20 years ago. We started the Tunnel to Towers Foundation to make sure that we our first mission was to never forget and to honor the sacrifice. And we've been doing that for 20 years. 
Frank, uh, th- there's a lot in what you just said. So I'm going to take it in the order in which I wrote it down and get you to extrapolate a little bit. The first thing that caught my attention is Stephen had a sibling 25 years older than he was. Yep. Yep. My brother, Russ, he's, he was, uh, he, which passed away about a year and a half ago, who's a spiritual leader of the foundation. He uh, gave us all our Franciscan background where we live by a motto of uh, St. Francis said, brothers and sisters, while we have time, while we are here, let us do good. And that is the whole premise of the foundation. We want to do good and honor, not just of Stephen, you know, the sacrifice he made uh, 20 years ago, but all those who gave their life on September 11th and all those who have given their lives, 7,070 that have given their lives ever since in the war on terror. And that's what we do every day at the foundation. We want to make sure that we don't forget the sacrifice that's made every day to give us this great country. Right, Trey? I mean, we have this country that's unbelievable, but there's a great price that comes along with it. And we better never forget uh, about these heroes that give us uh, this country. All right. So Stephen lost both of his parents early in life, which is, um, you know, uh, both my parents are still alive and I'm 57 years old. So I cannot imagine losing both of your parents early in life. But luckily, uh, he had a lot of siblings, older siblings to take care of him. And then apparently God smiled on him and gave him a beautiful wife and five children. Did I hear you correctly? Five children, five children. And uh, he uh, I, I, I guess he knew something we didn't. Uh, well, he knows a lot of things we didn't know. And he, uh, he, like I said before, he treated every day as a very special day and he didn't waste a moment uh, because you never know. He knew that at an early age. Look, he was eight and a half when our dad died. A year and a half later, our mom died. And so he learned very early on in life that nothing is guaranteed, that life could change in a moment's notice. So he didn't waste much time in life. I can tell you that we, we played golf. We used to play all the time together, but we played really early in the morning because we had such a full day. And many times we would we started speed golf before it was popular. We would run to the ball and, and get there because, uh, you know, he told his wife he'd be home in short order. He was never on time. That's for sure. But. <laughs> But uh, but he always kept all his commitments. Uh, He was an outrageous uh, human being. And we look as a family to do the work that we're doing. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about it in a moment uh, to and, you know, because he inspired his old older siblings to be better people, to do good. Here's the, the little guy, the little brother. He he taught us all how we should live our lives and be selfless and to do for others. And uh, that's what we do at the foundation. And, and look, we didn't know we were going to be delivering hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of mortgage-free homes. Uh, all we wanted to do was uh, honor Stephen's sacrifice. And like I said before, all those who perished that day. And uh, we're really proud of the work that we're doing uh, to remember. I, look, the best, our first mission is never forget and to honor the sacrifice and to do good. And the good that we're doing is taking care of these heroes, families that are left behind that die for you and I. And to deliver them mortgage-free homes, I think that is a perfect combination of any foundation, but for us personally, uh, to honor Stephen's legacy and to leave behind uh, a legacy of, of love and hope and kindness and generosity and courage and heroism and, and to be there for others. And that's what Stephen taught his older siblings. I'm Trey Gowdy, and we'll have more coming up. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? 
Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Before we get to St. Francis of Assisi, I want to I ask you one more question about Stephen or, or more make an observation just so people can have this squarely in their minds because sometimes the words um, – we don't focus on the words enough, and we don't create the mental image. So I want to create the mental image of someone who already has a dangerous job. I mean, being a firefighter is a dangerous job, no matter what the calendar says. But it's September the 11th, and his shift had ended, correct? Correct. And he was on his way home. Correct. He was going to play golf with his brothers, which we never really got an opportunity to play all of us together. And he heard on his radio scanner because he had the scanner with him no matter where he was, because he was the ultimate firefighter. A lot of these guys do this. So I'm not going to say he's the only he's the only one. And he turns his truck around, goes back to his firehouse, which already responded, uh, you know, to to the towers being hit, gets his gear, puts it in his truck and goes to the mouth of the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. Can't get through. Cars were abandoned. Somebody, an eyewitness, saw my brother and said that he car came to a screeching halt and he jumps out of the car and he throws his gear on his back and he starts running into the tunnel. Now, when he's running through the tunnel, I'm sure he doesn't know exactly what's going to be on the other side. But he, I'm sure he's thinking of his wife, his kids, his brothers, his sisters, his friends, all these cars that have abandoned people running out the opposite way away from New York. And he's running in there and he comes out of that tunnel on West Street and he sees hell on earth. He sees the towers on fire. He sees people on the top floors below the fire line. Uh, 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 they have a decision to make, to burn or to jump. I hate to say it, but this is what he saw. He saw hell on earth, and many of them jumped. And he runs up. He gets into the South Tower where his other firefighters' brothers gave up their lives. All of them from his company died that day, 343 firefighters in total. And this is what he does. And he so inspired his older siblings that when we heard this, we said, we have to do something positive. We have to do something to honor what he did. We have to do good in his memory. So that's what I, I think of when I went through the tunnel this year on September 11th for the 20th anniversary. Because, you know, Trey, I walked personally to honor my brother. I walked from the Pentagon to Shanksville to ground zero, 537 miles, 15 miles a day. 
And um, when I walk through on the 20th anniversary with my wife, with my kids, with my grandkids, with my siblings, I was crying like, like I can't even explain to you because all that was going through my mind was what was going through his mind that day. What could be going through his mind? And I was thinking of his smile, his face, his hair, his everything about him. And uh, I'm saying, my God, Stephen, through your one act, you have changed the life of so many of these great heroes, families that we're able to help today because of what you did, because of what you did. And I was overcome with emotion, but I was also overcome with the sense of pride. And that's what I want people as difficult as it is, Frank, I mean, we are wired to run in the times of tragedy, the times of turmoil, the times of danger. We are wired to run towards our family, run towards those we love, run towards what is familiar. And he did the opposite. He's off duty and he turns and runs back toward strangers and towards danger. And that's the image that I want people to have kind of as a backdrop as you tell us about Tunnel to Towers, what do you do and how do you help folks? Well, we deliver mortgage-free homes to several great veterans. If, you're, if you served our country and you gave your body for your country, catastrophically injured service members, we are building mortgage-free smart homes for these most catastrophically injured servants, double, triple, quadruple amputees, paraplegics, quadriplegics, traumatic brain injury, terrible situation. They gave their bodies for their life. And we know they went to war because of what happened on September 11th. So we felt like we had to do that because the first ever quadruple amputee, Trey, first ever survived was from my hometown, Stevens' hometown, Staten Island, New York. And I went down to visit him at Walter Reed. And I said, can we build you a mortgage-free home? We saw the difference that it made in his his life. So we, you know, we've built over 100 of these homes all over the United States. Then we take care of Gold Star families, Gold Star families, these families that are left behind because their loved ones served our country and made the ultimate sacrifice and leave behind young families. And we we deliver uh, we've delivered hundreds of Gold Star families. Uh, mortgage-free homes. And many of them we built because, you know, they travel from base to base. They don't have a home. They go from base to base. And then, and, and then go for, and then when something like this happens, they give their life for our country. And we're so proud that, you know, that this year on, on November 11th at the Lincoln Memorial, we are going to read the names of all 7,070 American service members who were killed in the war on terror at the Lincoln Memorial this Veterans Day, this week. So we are so proud that we are going to be doing it. It's never been done before, most certainly never done there. I do know one FBI friend of mine that said that they, in his local town, they've read the names before. I was very happy to hear that. We should be doing it all over the United States. It's going to take about eight hours to read all these names because, once again, the first mission is to never forget the sacrifice that's made by so many of these great Americans. And then we also pay off the mortgages for Fallen first responders that die in the line of duty that leave young kids behind. And uh, we've delivered hundreds and hundreds of those homes as well. Um, So you can imagine, you know, this year alone, Trey, this year alone, we've delivered 200 mortgage-free homes. 200. You could do the math. You know what your mortgage is. Times that by 200. And that's our commitment that we've made. And I wish we could do more. If I raised more money, we would do more. And uh, we've been doing well, but we're not doing well enough because there's still a lot of families out there that, that, that need our help. 
You know, Frank, you touched on it. Thursday is Veterans Day. Um, we also have a day, uh, Memorial Day, which is in late May. But, you know, many of our listeners you know, won't be able to make it uh, to the reading of those names. Uh, and thank you for doing that. But they still want to help. So people who are inspired by fill in the blank, whether it is your brother and his selflessness or someone who served and sacrificed in their own hometown, if they want to help those who served our country by providing them a home, how can they help you? Well, it's very easy. We're Tunnel to Towers Foundation. We'll shorten it. So go to T, the number two, T.org. That's T2T.org. And we ask people to donate as little as $11 a month. That's not asking a lot of money to help these great families. And look, in the fire department, this is saying many hands makes light work. Many people come together. If I get a million people come together, we could take care of not just 200 homes a year, but even a lot more than that. And not just this year, because it was the 20th anniversary, but every single year, because that's what that's what's needed. I have a waiting list that you cannot believe that the people that are, are they're not asking for our help, but they deserve our help. And it really isn't charity. They paid a big price for it. I think it's a I think every American, Trey, I think every American should make a promise with our military first responders that when when they go to serve their country or the community and they give the kids a kiss goodbye and they don't come home, that we take care of them. And that's what the Tunnel to Towers Foundation is doing. We're just a conduit. We want to bring people together to take care of these families that are left behind when they pay the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom for our liberties. And uh, we're very proud to take on that responsibility. And we don't just say we're going to do it. We deliver. And uh, we're proud. And one last thing, uh, you should know and your listeners should know that over 93 cents of every dollar goes to our programs. I don't get paid. My siblings don't get paid. We're volunteers. I have thousands and thousands and thousands of volunteers. We do this because of what my brother did. And we want to make sure when somebody donates money, they're hard worked for money that it goes to the intended cause. And we're proud of that fact because the foundation bears my brother's image and his name. And we will hold it always to the utmost credibility uh, that any foundation has in, in, a, in America. So we're, we're proud of those uh, those facts. One hundred percent in transparency. Also, we're we're an, we're an open book. So you can rest assured your listeners when they go to T2T.org. The money is going to go to these families uh, that made the ultimate sacrifice for our country. Frank, this will be of little comfort to a man that uh, lost his baby brother. But I think you have done and I think everyone hearing you thinks you have done a remarkable job of not only honoring your brother's life and his legacy, but also uh, honoring the words of St. Francis of Assisi, while there is time, let us do good. So before we leave, I want you to tell folks what that means to you. Why did you pick that? While there is time, let us do good. Well, my parents were very much involved in the third order of St. Francis. And my father was one that wanted to go out every night and go to a hospital and read to somebody, pray with somebody. And he taught us at a very early age that it's not about you as an individual. It's about doing for others. My brother, Stephen, saw that even as a young kid, even though my father died by the time he was eight and a half, he knew all about service and sacrifice and, and to do for others. Stephen did it at a level that very few people do in this world. He gave his life, as we know, no greater love 
and then someone lays down their life for their brother. And uh, he has inspired us as siblings to live that way. And we're all running out of time. So we better do it while we have time. And uh, for my brother, I know he's smiling down. He's also saying, come on, Frank, you got to do more um, because he was a buster. But the truth is, there is a lot more that has to be done. So we count on your viewers, your listeners to join us on this mission of doing good. Frank, thank you for helping us understand Tunnel to Towers, why you did it, what it does, how it helps people, and most importantly, how those of us who did not know your brother, except by uh, through you, uh, can help folks like him uh, that are still with us. Um, and if you would do me a favor and please pass on our best wishes to uh, to his widow and his five children and all of your siblings, if you would do that for us. And I hope you have, I don't want to say a happy Veterans Day, but I hope you have a significant Veterans Day. It will be significant. And and at least one of Stephen's kids will be down there reading the names with me. And uh, I think two of them will be there. So thank you. And God bless you, Trey. And God, God bless course, you. God friend. bless America. Yes, sir. Look forward to meeting you in person sometime. Take care. All right. Be good. November the 11th comes this week. Uh, if you aren't familiar with that day and its history, do yourself a favor and take a look. I'm usually not one to spend a lot of time looking back. Um, I figure if I can't change what's already happened, so why would I want to focus on that instead of focusing on what we can do and what we can change and what we want to accomplish? But every now and again, it is instructive, uh, educational to look back. The 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, it marked the end of the war to end all wars. That's what they told us. The end of World War One would mark the end of the war that would end all wars, if only that had been true. And it was called Armistice Day. Uh, President Woodrow Wilson said this to us in America, the reflections of Armistice Day will be filled with solemn pride and the heroism of those who died in the country's service and with gratitude for the victory, both because of the thing from which it has freed us and because of the opportunity it has given America to show her sympathy with peace and justice in the councils of the nations. Presidents don't seem to talk like that anymore. Congress weighed in as well when it passed a resolution marking November the 11th as the end of the most destructive, far-reaching war in human history. And Congress thought it would be fitting to mark the end of the Great War with, and I'll quote, thanksgiving and prayer and exercises designed to perpetuate peace through goodwill and mutual understanding between nations. Congress doesn't always seem to act or talk like that anymore either. And then this congressional resolution marking November the 11th, the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. That resolution concludes by, quote, inviting the people of the United States to observe the day in schools and churches and other suitable places with appropriate ceremonies of friendly relations with all other people. Now, we don't really get asked to do that much anymore, do we? Meet in churches and schools with appropriate ceremonies of friendly relations with all other people. President Eisenhower was uh, himself both a veteran and uh, the leader of the free world. He signed into law a bill changing Armistice Day to Veterans Day. And change can be good sometimes, and then other times it's simply change for the sake of change. And we wind up 
living with that change for a short while, and then we go back to what we used to do. In 1968, Congress got the idea to make sure federal employees got three-day weekends. So it moved some holidays from the actual day of significance to a Monday of insignificance simply to give us a three-day weekend. I say us. I was four, so I'm sure my dad had me working, but, but I don't remember it. You may not remember it either, but that's what they did. 1968, they wanted federal employees to have a three-day weekend. So they changed some days of significance to Mondays that have no significance at all, just so we can sleep late one extra day. Three-day weekends are good. I enjoyed them while I was working for the federal government as a law clerk and a prosecutor. Actually, I didn't enjoy them. Now that I think about it, you know why I didn't enjoy them? Because the federal judge I worked for was a veteran, and he loved America. And he told me, and this is almost a direct quote, he told me he didn't know a single veteran who took Veterans Day off. Veterans work, he said. So we're working on Veterans Day. And we did. We always did. It is somewhat illustrative of what politics has become. November 11th is the day of significance. That's the day we're supposed to remember. But let's change it so people can have an extra day to sleep in. I wonder, what does that tell you about what they think of us? That we would rather have a long weekend then preserve the day for what it was intended, which is a day to reflect on war and peace and service and sacrifice. It was the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, and they changed it because they thought we wanted to sleep in on some obscure Monday that no one can remember. The first Veterans Day under this new law was observed with um, clearly much confusion on October the 25th, 1971. And if you're wondering why October the 25th, if it's supposed to be the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, because that's when they did it. So we did what we sometimes do as a country, which is we correct our mistakes. And it turns out the politicians misread us. We may want that third day in a row off, but not if it means ignoring the significance of the holiday altogether. We don't want to do that. So in 1975, it went back to November the 11th. No matter what day it falls on, that's the day we celebrate what is now Veterans Day. It seems sort of obvious now, doesn't it? If you're going to celebrate November the 11th, it makes a lot of sense to actually do that on November the 11th. So on this November the 11th, it is a good day to remember the service, Service in uniform of both men and women to this country, the wars this country has waged and the reasons for them and what we learned and what we gained and what we lost. It's a good day to reflect on the pain of war, the cost of war, and that the war to end all wars, World War I, really didn't end them at all. You can't legislate away human nature and greed and evil and aggression or self-interest. I mean, you can declare this is the war to end all wars, but not if you don't know the generations come. I'm going to add something to the list of things I'm going to reflect on this year. I'm going to remember that Judge Ross Anderson himself, a veteran, thought it was another day to work because to him... Uh, No veterans take that day off. They don't have the luxury of taking a day off. 
those still in service certainly don't have that luxury. I'm also going to reflect on the power of the people to know what is right rather than what is popular. It may not be popular to switch this day back. It may be popular to convert all holidays to a Monday or a Friday so we can all get long weekends. Let's just, you know, let's change November the 11th. Let's change Christmas. Let's change Thanksgiving. Let's, and I guess that would be popular. It just wouldn't be right. And the America I know doesn't opt for what is convenient. We do what is right. You can make it far in politics for a season telling people what you think they want to hear, but you make it further in life telling people what they ought to hear. That's what leaders do. They tell people what they ought to hear. They promise to do what is right over what is convenient and popular. So we are back to November the 11th, and we never should have left. And here's to hoping we keep it there and that you have a happy Armistice Day, a happy Veterans Day. I'll see you next Tuesday on Tuesdays with Trey. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.